All right, uh, fellas, you two, folks. Maybe if people are in the chat, they can give me some advice too, but I need some advice. We're looking to buy a house Whoa. Here, here in Amsterdam. Now, now I'm sure Matt Ray can sympathize with this. I think, I think we're going to be here a few more years, luckily. And boy, we should have gone back three years to buy a house then. That, yep. that would have, I know the Sydney real estate market's a little bonkers, but boy, is it bonkers here. The legend is that when you're looking around for a house, you should go look and then within five minutes, put in an offer and get this. I think I've mentioned this before. This is going to blow your mind, Brandon. You have to offer more than the list price. Yeah. Now, That's nice. I don't know. It's hard to understand what that means from an American home buyer uh, perspective, but you know, you got to, what has actually made it, that has made its way here, believe it or not in Austin. Oh, that's right. That is the current recommendation is that you bid something over probably not as much as like Sydney or Amsterdam, but that is recently that's become a thing. That's what you're supposed to do. That's right. Because you were saying, you know, people say you should write a letter to someone and you were like, yeah, I don't know why they do that, but I guess that is also like people are getting (laughs) letters. I I don't want to know. All I want is And some people, I guess like send pictures of like pets and like their family and they love it. And it's like, I don't know. Well, well, you know, we had to put together two portfolios for our adoption. So like, that's a fun enterprise. (laughs) Yeah, but that's, that's a little bit different. You're not, you're not not bidding, (laughs) you know, there's not like a, some sort of auction on the children, on the child. They're not like, that's true. That's true. Or is that's true? No, no, not, not (laughs) thankfully not in our cases. That would be, that would be weird. But Uh, back to to your original thing about the, uh, isn't this like the tree kind of thing? The best time to plant a tree is like 10 years ago. And the second best is like right now. So are you in that position is like, well, yeah, you can't go back in time, but you should just buy the house right now. Totally. That is one of my favorite idiomatic thought exercises ever is the, is the tree one. So here's the advice I wanted to, to, to get. We've been looking at a lot of houses. It's a lot of effort. You go out and look at houses. There's lots of interesting ones. But I think, I think uh, every house has a reason not to buy it, right? Like everything oh, yeah. you look at has a reason not to buy it. And I'm trying to like... Uh, shift our strategic thinking over to what is a reason to buy it, right? Because if you have this mentality that every house there's a reason not to buy it, you end up not buying a house and you got to, mm-hmm. you got to get one. So like, how do you like in looking for a house, how do you sort of like move <laughs> to that place where you decide on one to buy? All right. I think I, the real estate investor or people would say you want to buy the worst house on the best block. That's like your general, uh-huh. It's like so, and that's just a version of saying location, location, and oh. location, location. So, so yeah. that that would be like a starting point, I guess, to me about thinking about, well, is this house, you know, does it meet any of those criteria? Yes. Yeah, okay. But, but, okay. But but in the market you're talking about, where there's you know, you know, uh, auctions over list price and people going nuts on every house, probably in about three months of being beaten down over deciding. I think I like that house and then losing out on, you know, this, you know, exorbitant, you know, outbidding mm. of things. Then you'll be like, I guess I'll take that house. <laughs> yeah. See, see that, that, you know, you know, I that's love what I'm worried I, about. Cause I whatever, know that's coming. If I try to buy a house in Sydney, whatever that curve is where there's like, there's like a convex I, and, and a concave line, you know, you're, op, you're figuring out your optimal thing. Yes, like I, I need the to, chasm of real estate. <laughs> I, I need to make sure that, cause there is a point where, you when you're looking for any asset like this but there's a point where you're buying a house where you switch over from 
we have optionality and we're waiting for finding the one that we want to holy shit, we need to make a decision and we'll make more compromises than we would have earlier. Right. Yeah. And now I don't know how you model that point out, but at some point, you know, you, you want to, you want to, you know, before you slide down until you just got to decide, you want to, you want to uh, do that, that picking then. All and, right. But, but like to be more practical, let's give you a couple. So location one, right. I think two mm-hmm. square footage and floor plan, because those would be hard things to, to, like fits yeah. right so it's like yeah, yeah. does okay. the general floor plan for your family uh work does it have like you know the, the right amount of bedrooms and bathrooms that you're looking for yeah that's it, good that's good you know same thing like are you like a a great room kind of open pl- floor plan or vice versa mm-hmm. like so i think those are the biggest things and then the stuff to not be distracted by are all the cosmetic things that can really take away. You're like, oh, this carpet is paint, stained floors, all the paint yard. all the floors aren't whatever because that stuff is usually in the grand scheme of a house, right. Is, you know, so when I say this, like a lot of qualifications, like relatively inexpensive to fix or change. So it's like, but when you have to be like, well, I think I need to remodel the kitchen and add a a bedroom. It's like huge, huge problem. But if you, so if you can get good location, good floor plan, good square footage, and then live with some cosmetic things, especially too, if it's one of the things like, you know, all right, this isn't perfect, but it's all works. And then we, we can update it at a later time on a different timeline, right? Sort of like yeah, maybe in six yeah. months, maybe a year. I think that's I kind mean, of the, it, that's what I'd work through. I mean, if, okay. the, if the Amsterdam market's like the Sydney market, you're probably thinking, oh, I'm going to have to spend, you know, millions of dollars. And then you're like, what's another $50,000 in renovations? You know, that's yeah. nothing in the grand scheme of things. I mean, nothing. Yeah. You know, no, out of the chat room, good suggestion here. Yard. I forgot to talk. That's a very good one. Uh, give yeah, Brian yeah. Uh, credit for that. It's like, yeah, because you obviously cannot add yard. You know, you're just no. like, you either have one or you don't, right? I mean, it's yeah, not yeah, like, yeah. You know, you know, the, the, the yard, as we would call it, or a garden, as, as yeah. they say elsewhere, is, uh, I don't know. We could, we'll, we'll see. It depends. Like, it's, it's an iffy thing. Now, now I've got two more comments, and then and then we can go on to the ostensible uh, computer news. One, uh, I've I've gone through a lot of thinking about. I'm going to say yard because I I miss American terms, but I've gone through a lot of thinking about yards, and what I've concluded is that a yard is cool, but a yard is basically a toilet for my dog. <laughs> like like the kid- wait 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 wait. Just heads up, I'm on three days of. Of a ten-week-old puppy having diarrhea around the clock, so yeah, that's exactly what it is. <laughs> now, yeah, yeah, but but this this is a discussion that uh, Kimberly and I had early on was that should we pay like two to three hundred thousand euros for the dog's toilet? Like this is this is the mentality you have to have now. Diarrhea sure sucks, but like I don't know, <laughs> I don't know if it's worth you know, 300,000 euros avoiding diarrhea in the house. Uh, it doesn't have to be big. You just, yeah. <laughs> now, now there are some like, uh, I don't terraces, patios, right. That might do for a diarrhea catcher. Uh, that'll be a lot cheaper <laughs> than a yard. Maybe, so, maybe you could get like a, a special, uh, balcony put on your house just to put the dog up there. Yeah. Yeah. The, <laughs> the, the, the diarrhea commie is, is what we need. I, so, All right. So my thinking has evolved that like maybe we don't need a yard. I mean, the kids will go out every now and then, but ser- like it's just like it's it's you know it's the kind of city where it's like go out your front door and, and there's there's a yard everywhere. There's right? parks like and yeah, yeah. There's plenty of parks and things like that. And like, don't drive yeah. on the canal and you'll be cool. And so like, 
I don't know. So, so a garden would be cool, but I don't think we need it. Now, the second thing uh, is, uh, I, you know, I just want to get your perspective, Matt Ray. Now, you, you don't have this mentality at the moment, but if you had the mentality that we're only going to be here a few, few more years, what, how does that shade my house buying, right? Because I've done, I've done the spreadsheets. I mean, you know I've done the spreadsheets. Ooh. And e- even, if, <laughs> even if we do not, even if we lose money on buying a house, we save money on rent. Does that make sense? Like, like yeah, it's actually it's cheaper to buy than to right, rent. Yeah. Right, right, yeah. right. So definitely buy a house. But how do we do criteria? How, what's cri- what different criteria do we have if we're thinking more of a, a short-term thing? Well, um, ostensibly, you know, the, the, you can keep the house in good shape. You can, pa- you know, probably the house is, you know, ready to be bought, hopefully. Uh, or, mm-hmm. you know, maybe you're going to get something at, at a discount because it looks like trash. Um, then you're going to put the money in to, like, make it nice for you to live in. And as long as you keep it up, you know, you can probably think, well, this will be okay to flip in three years and, you know, yeah, not yeah. lose I, money. I, I mean, do think I would when emphasize I was a, location a little bit more. like Because, you know, in three years, you can kind yeah. of say to yourself that we're not going to get it, maybe the house perfectly. We're not going to make investments that maybe we're going to be here a decade plus, right? But we yeah. can if we can come to a house that we like pretty well, we can make some relatively small updates to customize it the way we want. But in three years, we're really looking at something because location, I think, is going to, you know, really dictate. Yeah. Right, also, right, right. Plant some trees in your garden. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's right. Some- <laughs> That's right. I, okay. So to close that, I think I've got, I've got two guides that I think I can start using in addition to my own thing. One, I think, Brandon, you bring up a good point is, and I'm going to simplify it, make sure you have enough rooms. Right. Like, yep. you know, yes. there, there's there's some other things like we uh, th- we looked at a house today that uh, it has a gas stove, but you've got to bring your own gas into the house in little little tanks. And like it's just kind of like, I don't know, mm, man, that's a lot. Yeah. Like, I, I fucking hate these induction stoves. Let me just lay that out there. These induction stoves can die. I do not <laughs> like induction. Like, I totally know how to use it. I'm used to it. But it's just like, I you know, I might as well be wearing like, uh, you know, polyester bell bottoms on my head uh, like i just i don't want that it's better for the environment oh for fuck's sake yeah <laughs> i i mean i i hear you i hear you i i would rather cook less and use a gas stove to save the earth than like have to use an induction oven and just it's just it's just a fucking cyborg cooking it's like so weird like anyhow uh but you gotta have <laughs> this is the same rant people had about microwaves 50 years ago <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. What does that guy call him? The Tucker fucker? Like, anyways, uh, you know, the the Australian chef guy, I got to look up what he, uh, the microwave, he's got a good video on microwave cooking. Uh, So number of rooms. And then I think I, this is not something that I would consider, but I'm going to slightly modify what you're saying, Brandon, is in a city like Amsterdam, if we are only thinking in like the short term, which is to say not a decade or more, like we should maximize not maximize we should consider location right because part of what you want this was early matt ray thinking is that like hey we're in sydney we should pay as if we're not not pay a lot but like (laughs) it's okay to like pay a little bit more money to like be in sydney because yeah and and now i've like you know i'm stuck in this you know expensive lifestyle you know, kids are all in the, the right schools and, you know, can't leave and yeah. Yeah. Got a, amazing views of the ocean, but 
Yeah. Talk, talk about enterprise lock-in. This episode is brought to you by StrongDM. Managing access to infrastructure is hard. Databases, servers, web apps, Kubernetes clusters, and they all have different ways of managing access. Meet StrongDM. It's a proxy to manage access to all infrastructure. Need to give the marketing team access to BigQuery and GCP? Done. Does an engineer need access to customer-hosted Windows servers? No problem. DevOps needs to open up an interactive shell on EKS? So easy. And it just works. Admins, you can easily extend your identity provider to infrastructure, automate onboarding, offboarding, and moving people within roles using Terraform or the API. And your end users love it because there's zero change to workflow. StrongDM is trusted by companies like Hearst, Peloton, and SoFi to manage access. Start your free 14-day trial today with no credit card required at strongdm.com sdt. That's strongdm.com sdt. And of course, we thank StrongDM for sponsoring our show. All right. Well, there's been a lot of uh, of funding of companies. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know if there's any D plus rounds in here, but there's there's all sorts of rounds coming in here. Uh, big valuations, and I think you know, I think an ongoing theme that we we've been developing here is that a billion dollars actually isn't that much money uh, in 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 the world of tech companies. <laughs> well, especially and if you're buying real estate in Amsterdam. <laughs> <laughs> Man, can you imagine this sweet to be like I I own that. I mean, a billion dollars is basically like 200,000 euros. Uh, yeah. You know, you're going to be like, I'm going to name that Cote Plots. Here's, yeah, that's right. Here, <laughs> here's a pro tip. When I was doing my spreadsheets of doom, there's, there's a great Google, fun, Google Sheets function that will do, uh, you know, real-time currency conversion. And so it's fun to have, you know, you're your converting from dollars to euros and, and everything. And then every now and then you'll look at your spreadsheet and it just changes. Because you know, like the the uh, the exchange rate, rate has shifted. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, quite invigorating. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyhow, so you know, all of you look, you, Stripe is is like valued at ninety five uh, billion. Airtable wow. valued at five point seven billion. I don't. Docker got some funding. I don't. I don't know what their new valuation is, but it's just like you know. It seems like you just you just get valued at a billion or more, multiple billions, and, and is, cool. is the new Docker a billion? No, no, uh, no, not yet. I think it's no. still. Uh, They'll still get back. Be, it's coming they, they back. Maybe get back. But I do think yeah. I, you know, as we talk about like real estate about um, evaluations, it's like because I think you know we all you know work together you know right during the the whatever the two thousand dot com crash. So it's like part of me is always kind of you know I think you're sort of always uh, if you will uh, scarred by your previous experiences, and it's like things yes. do seem so incredibly you know, highly valued at this moment. So part of me is always a little bit like, oh, seen this before. But if you take something like Stripe, right, and you think, well, no, the reason it's, it is this high is that they have essentially tapped into essentially like every payment or they're on the verge. They feel like they're on that verge of like yeah. every online payment that is happening now or some incredibly large percentage of them are going through Stripe. So it's a sign that like, yeah, there's, tremendous value in money flowing in there versus when we go back in time and it was, you know, all the cliches of the dot-com crash, right? It was like eyeballs and like page views and there wasn't really dollars, right? That was the thing that we found behind it. So, so I find myself like struggling between 
oh, this is, I've seen this before. It's, everything's overvalued versus like, no, what's coming to fruition now is the actual, you know, Mark Andreessen and stuff that yeah. people are talking about for a long time. It's like, no, now some of these companies are actually taking out I, huge I, I, parts of the uh, financial services. And that's why they're making I think so that, much money. I think that's true. And like, I think the only ridiculous startups you see nowadays are ones that like don't actually sell anything. Like the, those, those are the, the, are we going to talk about clubhouse? <laughs> you know, you know, the, and, and well, even, even in like the consumer tech area. So, so yes, there is that, but in the consumer tech area, you're sort of like, I don't know, advertising, right? Like eventually yeah, yeah. just like, like that could be a thing or, you know, in the, uh, you know, your company is a feature category. It's like someone might acquire you. Right. In which case mm-hmm. it's like the business model is just like an exit. It's, it's an investment. Right. It's right. Doing something. But, you know, it, it does seem like, especially if you're like in a financial startup, right? Like, like whether you're, you're payment processing or whatever, then it's a little more straightforward. I mean, it's still a huge risk, right? That the, you know, people investing in it are making, but it's like, yeah, we're going to handle yeah. like trillions of dollars of cash, like whatever. Like it's, it's, it's going to be more straightforward than like, uh, I don't even remember the ludicrous startups, right? We're going to sell sweaters online or something. Like, <laughs> it just it just seems uh, right. Well, the one always are... people joke about is like pets.com, but then eventually it came true, right? Eventually, Chewy, exactly. Chewy Way too had early. It. So, it just wasn't pets. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Well, like like all e-commerce things, eventually it came true, and it was Amazon, right? Like you know, <laughs> a- Amazon is the uh, the YouTube of YouTube thing, right? Like where you know this is this is this is. I think this is a, a Ben Thompsonism where he was like, "Oh yeah, this startup said that they were going to be, or no, this is that's what people said about was it Quibi? It's sort of like this is going to be the short form video of you know version of YouTube." And the quip was like, "No, no, YouTube is the YouTube of YouTube," <laughs> <laughs> which I guess oddly yes. enough has been misproven. Is it mispro- disproven? D- disproven with like TikTok might be able to disprove that that they will become the uh, the YouTube. right. Right. And I, and I watch all my TikTok on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's that too. There's that too. But now I do think you kind of, I think everything, the, the one wild card in all this, the other one that's happening is Coinbase, right? So the, you know, basically, you know, the bank or, you know, holding for all, all you know, major cryptocurrencies. Like that is, to me, this remains like, I don't know what to oh. make of it. I don't know what to make about any of it. It's like, that's the one that like in 10 years from now, it could be like the pets.com kind of discussion where we're like, what were people thinking? That was crazy. Or yeah, yeah, it could yeah. go on to be worth, you know, whatever quadruple what it is now. And it's like, I can't believe every, like, I can't believe you didn't see it. Of course, this is a currency of the future. Like I have, yeah. I have no idea. And that's the one that I, I've all the crypto stuff. I'm just, every time I, I read about it or I learn more, I feel more confused. So I've, I have no idea what to make of it. You know, I listened to that money book. Uh, some listener recommended it and it was a great book. It's fantastic. I mean, it's written by a, uh, uh, a public, you know, the planet money guy. So of course it's going to be very well written and very listenable. Very and, listenable. Uh, yeah. At, at, at the end, you know, he goes over uh, cryptocurrency. Can I just say personally, I don't want my money to be called crypto. That sounds like <laughs> fucking scary as shit. Uh, but like, anyway, I prefer necro. Ne- yeah. That, 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 that very good. Uh, and uh, like, I don't know, I listened to that of it. And it's just like, it, it is, uh, I think I probably made this prediction before I predict it's all bullshit. Like, I think it's just like, I understand that, like, 
with yeah. the fiat with the fiat currency we're all just inventing some fiction of stored it, value it, it's it's a communal hallucination but at least right, right, there's right. a government yeah yeah but it's just sort of like boy it takes a lot of effort to shift hallucinations like one that's kind of like once you're in a hallucination that's how the hallucination works right like it doesn't you don't like transverse hallucinatory experiences you're just kind of stuck in the one and it's just uh, so so that that guy who sold that like rainbow cat needs to fucking cash out. Like if you hold if you hold that you hold your rainbow cat money in in bitcoins, I don't know. It's gonna be dodgy. Well, I think that's right. the part that does make it feel the whole NFTs, right, and like digital art and all the stuff. You're like, I don't know. A lot of that feels that does feel very much like the 2000s to me, where it's like it's it's just worth because a lot of people want it and that, therefore people really don't, want don't it even and that's get why it's worth a lot NFTs. and then yeah, people um, stealing nfts now and they're like so what did they steal a receipt <laughs> that's a weird that, that is a very uh difficult one now what about Airtable? Yeah. i think we don't i think we yeah let's they, go back to real i was real gonna say yeah we'll just give up on talking about stuff i i don't really have any i don't know i don't have a I'm not smart enough to have an opinion but Airtable, i do think Airtable is cool, but a part of me also feels like, well, in the end, everyone will just go back and use Excel. You know, I don't know. It's just, I don't, <laughs> I, it just feels like all these things like get big, but then people just keep emailing me and sharing Excel spreadsheets. Like no one's ever like, Hey, let's just well, use the Airtable. You, it never happens. You know, you know, like Airtable's features are, are just the roadmap for Excel, right? For, for mm. Office 360 Excel, they're just like, Hey, let's just keep watching that thing. Yeah, we could do that. You know, what's the what's the killer feature of of Airtable? Yeah, we could do that. You know, I mean, didn't we talk about this already? Excel being Turing complete, yeah. right? You no, it, does. it some, totally feels like you know, know if you were going to spend time, like, would it make more sense to learn Airtable or spend two hours watching uh, YouTube videos with tricks about how to use Excel better from investment bankers? Oh, like, yeah, that is an yeah. incredible. Like, if you just want to learn more, just look up like investment banking Excel or PowerPoint and just like learn more, and you're like. Yeah, you can pretty much do anything you yeah. want here. And it feels like the Excel skills will always be with you. Like this, you'll this always man. get them. You always I, need I, them. I have I have a stack like three deep of exciting things based on what y'all are just saying. One, but I might only get to one thing. This week I learned how to use VLOOKUP. I totally get it. Like it makes sense. Like for real, is, you became one with it. You're like, it wasn't yeah. like you had to look at now, the manual. You're like, I got now, it. And, now I feel like I, I I think I am at at uh, I wouldn't say beginner, but I'm at I'm at imaginative intermediate layer, right? Like I haven't explored the full possibilities of what you can do, but it is pretty. It's 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 makes a lot of sense. I you know I was modeling out the Netherlands ta tax bracket situation, and that's where VLOOKUP becomes really valuable if you're if you're transversing tax tax brackets, tax brackets anyway so so that was good and then the other thing so i think i think with with like with Airtable. now i don't know it intimately well but something like that i think because of i think you look at the trajectory of slack and you have a similar sort of gamble going on there right now the big gamble that slack's gotten gamble the problem slack's got to figure out now is getting microsofted right just microsoft <laughs> just you know waking up i mean it's long woken up yeah. but like but like the you know, more I you, use Teams, the less I'm worried. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. So that 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 would be the magic of Microsoft if they take advantage of their everyone has it, yes. but also that it doesn't suck. Like that would be that would be really good. <laughs> sure, like, Slack, I, I mean, Slack feels all right because they sold out to Salesforce, so they're in a nice place and it seems like they that's true, got that's a true. lot of money and Salesforce. But I mean, I mean, on. but you still, I, I, I mean. 
you know, I, Salesforce I also bought that chat company and no one ever uses that anymore, right? Chat so it's not, yeah. Was that what it was Ex- yeah. Exactly. It was not exactly. Good. Yeah, it didn't go yeah. well. Yeah. yeah. And and so now the other the other thing I was excited about is I logged into uh, every now and then I like to go to the Office 365 dashboard to see all the apps. And Brandon, they have some app in there called Booker or Book. Booker. And What's it's this? a way to it's a way to externally show your calendars and allow people to book time with <laughs> really you. this is often yes. nice. never yes. how have i not heard of this uh, i don't know i just saw wow. it the other day and i think it's targeted at like you know salons Calendly. and like yeah. small small oh, things like that, that. I, I just need that from yeah that's uh so so you got to check that out go to your i'm sure you have an office 365 dashboard absolutely. that you never yep, go yep. to absolutely and and there's all there's like those 50 apps that you're like I don't know what any of these are, right? Like I do actually go to it when AD goes down because I'm always like, wait a minute, did I did I lose my license? I always assume I've done something wrong or I've had something revoked when I can't log in. And then I look on Twitter. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah. everyone's having problems. So I will, I will definitely. Uh, but you know, every, every everything I, I hear about Airtable is people seem to love it. And I think the final hurdle. I don't. I'm I'm monopolizing this uh, this commentary here. But I think the final hurdle is you know i i uh we got we got the, i got the ernst and young people helping him out with my taxes and they're they are very insistent that i do not email things to them and yep. instead i upload yep. it to the tool they have which is as i said we many should times, we should commend them right that's a good practice yeah. as the portal as said, as, secure documents we're all in sure, favor of that sure i don't i don't think it has 2fa though i haven't really checked right, but whatever well, you know we can't, we can't <laughs> like, we're not all perfect like i dig it i dig it mm-hmm. on the other hand it's very annoying yes right like like, uh, the, for example, I wanted to share a Google spreadsheet with them and they're like, no, we can't log in. Just that. no. Yeah. And so I think, mm-hmm. I think that is the hurdle. Like once Ernst and Young uses Airtable. That's never happening. Then I, no, I think the prime You know what, then you've that's made it, happening. you might as well, you've yeah. just, you've killed it. It's never, I, I mean, it's never going to happen. Airtable Air is this, I mean, my, my impression of it is, is it's kind of existing in this space beyond like, <sighs> Excel didn't seem like the right tool when you started. So you went to Airtable and it turns out like you probably could have done it in Excel. (laughs) But also like if you're over in like Salesforce land, there's a way to do a lot of what Airtable's doing. You know, like I'm thinking about like some of the sales reports that, you know, are automatically updated with, you know, different things. They don't have, my understanding is they don't have quite the level of integration, but it's like, you know, uh, Salesforce is a logical place for, for Airtable to be. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think until people like this is what my measurement is like, I think it does look interesting and it looks like a very well built tool with a very good user experience. Well, here is until people actually email me, like say, Hey, use this instead of Excel. That's good. And I feel like that will never happen. It's, I'm going to be like, Well, Excel's one. Like everyone's still going to send it. Yeah. I mean, like no one's ever sends me a link to a Google uh, spreadsheet. Never. It can't just inside of a company that's using Google. Right. Or uh, software defined talk. It, you know, the mega enterprise of software defined talk. Like we, we're nothing but Google uh, spreadsheets. So uh, yeah. yeah. Well, maybe maybe Microsoft could just acquire Google and <laughs> start using this. Well, I do hey, Kote, I do want to <laughs> offer up because I, I you know, I'm always up for some tips and tricks. So I wanna uh, if you don't know this one for everyone, never merge cells in Excel. Use center across selection. Change yes. your life, my friends. So if you're not already doing that. It will change your life because huh. it will give you huh. the perfect formatting, but it will not uh, mess up your your columns. So you can still cut and paste and use all the greatness of that. So that was a little iBanker trick that somebody turned me on to, and I was like, center across selection. 
genius. Another genius uh, feature brought to you from Excel. So check that one out. That's pretty good. Yeah, you know, I think, I mean, it'll never happen because people are used to it, but the error codes it gives are absurd. Like, like pound sign value. You're just like, what the fuck is this? Like, doesn't matter. Figure... It doesn't matter. It's one. No, it's no, like, I, you know, I know, like... I know, I know. I'm just, I just feel like this is like know... segmentation fault core dump. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. it's like, you know what? Mean, it's meaningless. It's been decided, though. That's when your thing doesn't work and your pointers go out. That's what you get. That's all you get to yeah. learn. You know, no, I agree. Goal. I agree. It's just, it's just, uh, it's just, uh, it's just annoying. V lookup though. That's you know you know what we need to do is we need to get uh, uh, some Airtable ads, and that way we'll be forced to actually use Airtable. <laughs> we're all for it. Maybe we don't know. Maybe maybe we haven't been converted. We, we, right. we could we could spend we could spend four episodes using Airtable as our administrative tool instead of uh, Dropbox. It does though, but it does look like incredibly well built, great user experience. So I you know, and some part of me always like you want these tools to win. But then you're gonna have like people like Matt Wright. They're gonna continue to use Emacs. It doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. It's the same thing. It's like it's like the iBankers are gonna use Excel. The developers are gonna use Emacs, and there will always be new tools. To be like these are probably better, but time has moved on. We're not we're not discussing them anymore. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I want to have before before we get get towards the uh, the end of the show here. I want to have an honorable mention for something I hadn't noticed because. I have tried. You, you, you know, I used to be able to read the Matt Levine newsletter, Brandon. And yeah, you're always great. you're always recommending it. it, and I read it forever. And I keep signing up to get it, and I never get it. So I had a genius insight. I should use a different email address. I think I must be on some like blacklisted some, some blacklist. So I'm gonna have. To, luckily, I've got infinite email addresses. So I need to use yes. a uh, another one. Uh, but he had some great coverage that that I of course didn't get to read because I no longer am receiving the emails uh, about how some some uh, I think it, I think it was source thirteen uh, junior an- analysts some Goldman analysts were complaining about how they were overworked and I would I would encourage you, dear listeners, to go look at the slides and because because good old I wonder if people call him Matthew good old Matthew there <laughs> uh, he, he kind of jokes. But those slides are perfect iBanker slides. They are extremely well. They even have the um, they even have the one slide where you've got one a bar graph, two bars. One bar is tall and the other is smaller, and you have an arrow pointing down. Like I don't know how that type. You see that slide everywhere. I don't know how that slide came about, but it really makes me think that the the uh, uh, the head honcho important people, the hippos, if you will, who are consuming those slides, don't know what the fuck they're doing because you have to make it so explicit. You're like. One bar chart is high, the other is lower. But I'm wondering, I I feel like, is it so well done and so meta that they've sort of translated, they, they, they kind of like made the joke and the point. It's like, um, like, I think the data is actually valid. I think their data and their complaints are actually coming from a valid place. But I think inside of it is like, you're making us spend over 105 hours a week formatting PowerPoint that looks like this. That, this is, is a good not, point. Yeah. And it's not pleasant. And it's like, and I think that's sort of like why it's both fun to make fun of. And it's also yeah, like, yeah. you know, I'm just, I'm paraphrasing, you know, Matt, Matt Levine's, uh, Levine's column here. It's just like, well, you know, you're going to make tons of money. And this is kind of the trade off, right? That's kind of what the gist of it is. But um, <laughs> at the same time, right, it's like, it is like, it's stupid. Like, and I think, you know, maybe this is why it sort of resonates more broadly. It's like, Lots of people are spending lots of time formatting PowerPoint, and like we would probably be okay if we spent less time doing it. Exactly. So I, I exactly. think the in the way they kind of make that point, if I don't know if that's what they're trying to do by like by making it the perfect Goldman Sachs PowerPoint, 
I think is is very well done. That's very subtle. Yeah, That's yeah. what they were going for. And 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 just to, I should have summarized it is basically some some uh, analyst they made a presentation about how they they had to work too much uh, at Goldman, and I don't mean that in a snarky way. Like it does sound pretty horrific, and you know, I've I've in small stints back when I worked on uh, strategy, I would I would be in a similar situation. Uh, is not good, uh, but um, yes, I agree with what you're saying. It is it is like. There's a certain like uh uh um what's the word not cynical but there's a certain like nihilistic or nihilistic if you prefer like nihilistic like enjoyment of the situation you can tell is going there. I mean it's down to like the the you could it, this if you've worked on these kind of slides before you realize how perfect they are when you see their source is like 13 analysts the ones making the slide right like, which is like fantastic like, right and the footnotes yeah, yeah, too the yeah. footnotes are fantastic the way they've like footnoted the whole thing and yeah, it's just yeah. i mean it's and, and just I, and so I think, perfect i think i think you you got to the point to the the uh inspirational to the growth mindset takeaway of all this nihilism which is like uh yeah we're spending way too much time on this shit right like you know you know what you know what we should be doing as investment bankers doing good deals right like yeah. we should find we should get a buyer who uh is i is is going to pay a, a lot of money to a seller like whoever we represent we should make sure that that person profits. yeah we should broker big deals between two parties yeah, that want yeah. to do it and, and we should take a fee and we should spend our time doing that and we should not pretend right. that and, incredibly well formatted like, powerpoint and, slides and, and, and affect if, if that we, uh, that outcome yeah, yeah. And, and you know, there is a lot of, I mean, it's all brand, uh, which is fine. And, and, you know, Matthew in his column makes this point that like, it is a, uh, I forget what this kind of signaling is. It's, I guess, um, uh, the idiom for it is brown M&Ms, where like, you know, supposedly Van Halen, like would say no brown M&Ms, and they're writer, which is just a way to see if people are paying attention to other stuff, right. which, mm-hmm. right. whatever. But like, you know, also they probably, uh, you know, enjoyed it if they brokered a good uh, M&A deal. Yeah. Like, you know, despite their, uh, you know, you can eat all the brown M&Ms you want if you, uh, if you make a good deal. But I do think, you know, the other part of this that I think we have to like call out is like, I think some savvy social media uh, use here around, hey, like we probably, like if they think about it, these 13 people, you know, can probably not walk in and have like a frank conversation with their various partners and say, we really don't like this work environment. We don't want to, you know, this is too much. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. you know, maybe, the, you know, they would kind of get glad handed. Maybe, maybe they get yelled at. Who knows? But, but if they're like, hey, the way to get uh, some attention on this is like, why don't we make this PowerPoint? One of the major influencers in financial journalism, Matt uh, Levine, let's get him to write about it. Right. And it's going to get yeah. a lot of attention. And so they probably got, I mean, to me, it's like, I don't know, maybe they're going to be all fired or something. There'd be some retribution here, but, <laughs> and, and if that's the case, maybe it doesn't go out, but like, they definitely made a point. Like, I bet you the CEO of Goldman read this, you know, today. Right. And you think yeah. about like, if maybe you have a complaint or someone is trying to get something across in your company and it's like, this is a pretty good way to make a point, you know? And yeah. now I don't know. But, again, but, but, but do they, you know, the question, the, the, the you know, million dollar question is, are they there in a year? Well, if you read the slides, they have a whole slide on that. Very low, very low. If things don't change, that's what the slides say. If things don't change, response. they're leaving, right? Okay, okay. Are they yeah, there yeah. in two weeks? <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's, I mean, the, the real question is retribution. Like, do the 13 people make it, make it yeah, through? I mean, what, what, 
Is, is Goldman Sachs a learning organization? Is there going to be a blame <laughs> oh, postmortem on this thing? I mean, I, you, we, we, you we, don't, we don't need to generate more more tweets talking about how we don't know what we're talking about. That's <laughs> that's uh, we we got enough. <laughs> we got that covered. But this, yeah, I have to yeah. say though, this kind of passive aggressive uh, complaining really resonates with me. This is the kind of style of stuff that I'm more familiar with <laughs> well, than the blameless I mean, And I get it. It is back to the blameless section that, of Twitter where they're all shit posting on Will Goldman and, you know, they've all got sock puppet accounts and, and yeah, there's yeah, probably I some, mean, but like, I'm just saying, I just relate to it. I know that makes me a bad person, but I relate to it. I'm like this. I relate yeah, to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've like, let, let, I've let been me... in, I've never done this. I've never had the, enough creativity to actually do something like this, but I've been like, this I can get behind. You know, this this is the kind of stuff I would be thinking about if I was smart enough. I I, I I agree. Like the 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 only one surrealistic slide thing that I think I mentioned this before that I did when I was working on this stuff, you you know, with Provocker, is uh we would in the footnotes every now and then say source me. Right. Like and that <laughs> like sometimes, you know, you would do that. But I have two things to close this out to close this out. One Oh man, I'm I'm forgetting the uh, both of the things. We'll see. I'll I'll talk about the second <laughs> one and see if I if I remember it. What I think I think the conclusion we all have from this. This is sort of like saying you know it's absurd, but like I almost feel like you know you should make your own fucking slides, right? Like logistically and blah blah blah, so forth and so on, right? Senior vice president of you know iBankers in the hot tub smoking L's, like. They're going to have staff to make slides, but like, you know, if you're not making your own slides, like that's not cool. Like making slides is super easy, right? And like, it's not a big deal. And, and, like, and you can, you can have a content team to clean them. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, right, right, right. And, and exactly. You can get people to go in there and uh, what was And there's it? probably you, people who enjoy that who aren't iBankers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you don't <laughs> just, you get, you get people who are like, don't use merge cells, use uh, center, center and selection or whatever. But, and, and, and the other issue is that when you have someone else make your slides, then you have to like learn the slides and they're going to get the slides wrong. And it's just like, again, I want to emphasize making slides is not hard. Right. right. Like it's really, really easy if you know what you're talking about. And if you don't know what you're talking about, then you're scamming people. Right. Like, <laughs> wait, wait, wait. This is Goldman Sachs. No, I, you know, then, then, then you're sort of like not, I, I don't know anything about them. I'm going to take it apart from that. But like in my experience, like uh, on both sides of this, right. So when, when I've seen people who have slides made for them, there's the, unless they have been in the room the whole time with the people making the slides, they don't really like know what's going on. Like I've worked oh, with several yeah. people where like I'm in like they may not be making the slides, but they are on they're in that room there like doing them with you. That's a whole other story. But like well, or, or when you borrow someone else's slides and you merge them into yours and then you're given the presentation, right, right. you're like, and, and I so, don't know. Next. So that that's that's <laughs> the other side of it is like I have been given slides before yeah. that I did not make. And that's just like feels filthy, right? Like it doesn't really like it's not cool. Like and and like and also like usually usually if someone is making slides that are given to you, you've got to like mess around with them and fit them to how you want to talk and all of that stuff. So it's again, it's like, man, it's really easy to make slides. Like <laughs> you, you don't you don't need this team of people. And I think I think you're right. That that's the part that that I wouldn't think of, Matt Ray, is like is 
it's it's good to have people go like gussy them up, right? Like every now and then I've been lucky to work with some graphic design people who you sort of like give something to and boy, you get it back from you like that's amazing, right? Like you really like you figured out making these look really cool and and that's nice. But like I just don't think that like doing 105 hours working on slides and the associated research is uh that doesn't make sense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well they have they have a certain style yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yes uh, i but the template blows <laughs> yeah yeah all right well uh do we have any uh do we have any uh bureaucracy to go over brandon uh just a little bit i want to uh thank uh barbara for writing in i sent her some stickers and uh she's up there in massachusetts uh she wrote in uh, a nice note i was just gonna <laughs> read part of it i think it's great she says i uh, quote I was looking for a podcast on software-defined networking. I didn't know what you, and then parentheses, especially Matt Ray, were talking about, but you were interesting and amusing, so I kept listening. Nailed it. Um, I finally, and then she goes on to say, I finally wrote some infrastructure code in Ansible last year. Finally, in your world. So, Barbara, I appreciate you sticking with us all those times, and uh, probably this is a little bit of a commentary on us. Like we probably didn't think through the SEO when we named this podcast. We probably, no, you know, we absolutely um, did. We, we, uh, <laughs> so, so, so all, for all the people looking for uh software defined networking, we're sorry. That's I rarely <laughs> talked about on this show, but, uh, we appreciate for those of you who, um, have stayed with us. And, uh, if you would like a sticker, all you have to do is send your postal address to stickers at software defined talk.com and i will be happy to send you a sticker anywhere in the world all right well, I, I think we put no. a lot of thought into the naming because it it's a different kind of denial of, of service it's the denial of seo now someone <laughs> else can't name you know someone else can't say well we're software defined talk no we we got it it's ours okay there you go well yeah well uh well done rescuing us from our, our decision making there that, yeah. yes it was all part of the plan absolutely well, there's there's several conferences coming up. I won't go over them. We got Spring One, and uh, there's also one on uh, April 27th that I'll be involved in in the the Europe area. If you want to uh, go check that out, it's all like VMware Tanzu stuff. And uh, there's also a Cloud Native Rust Day Rust Day. But if you go to softwaredefinedtalk.com/slash/two-ninety, you can uh, look those up. And with that, Brandon, what is your recommendation this week? So my recommendation is, uh, you know, it's something that I think you've uh, talked about, Cote, before. So Ben Horowitz of uh, Injuries and Horowitz, which I don't know, I'm back and forth. You know, so I, I like some of the content. I don't like others. Uh, but he wrote a book. I think it's uh, uh, What You Do Is Who You Are. And I kind of, I guess it's a, a really all about building company cultures. And I was listening to, uh, from, I guess they recorded some of their clubhouse. They made it a podcast, so they made it, you know, which is perfect. I actually like it. They curated it. Um, but he was, um, so you can listen to the podcast if you want. But I got interested in it because he, he brought up a lot of ideas around, and he's done a lot of thinking about how you build out culture. And he, I guess he, he kind of got me with, like, the, the, the thing you don't do, he said something like, you, you don't uh, convene an offsite, write down a bunch of values, <laughs> you know, build a PowerPoint, and come back and uh, put up posters and, and think you're done, right? So he sort of, you know, scoffs at that, which I've, I've often felt like yeah that's i've been a part of those efforts or i've in one way or another and i've always thought this is strong so so he kind of went through a pretty uh defined way about like how he thinks about building culture and how he talks about putting it into action so a couple of things that stuck out to me is like you know values are stuff you write down but virtues are what you're what you do so that i think that's a, hit, mm -hmm. a big thing there and he gives a lot of examples of shocking rules so um and some of the examples are like, for example, like being on time, there's like NFL coaches, um, you know, like, Hey, if, if you're, 
if you're on time, you're late. And if you're, uh, and if you're early, then you're on time and sort of like, you know, why do people do crazy stuff like this? And I think his point is that a lot of these rules help reinforce culture. So he gives a lot of examples. So some of them I think are interesting. Some of them are maybe a little bit excessive, but you can kind of, uh, talk about it. And he also talks about this other idea of just, um, you know, like major stories or lessons. So like what, what kind of stories do you tell your organization? So one that I thought of that I hear a lot is like, you know, the story of the person that called Zappos, which sells shoes, but they wanted a pizza. Right. And so the story is that the Zappos people got him a pizza. Right. And so that's an idea. It's like, Hey, we're obsessed with customer support. So they tell that story to reinforce those ideas. So I liked a lot of his ideas. A lot of the <laughs> examples in this book are extremely violent. He talks about samurai culture, so if that's not your thing, stay away from it. Um, but then a couple of final, just to wrap this long recommendation up. It's like, but I do think it was kind of far from perfect, right? At the end, he kind of talks about, you know, he ultimately sold the company to uh, HP. He goes and says he works for HP, but he, at, after the end of the year, he said he basically quit, decided he couldn't work for somebody else. And of course, he's in a financially privileged area to do that. And I think that's the next book to be written. It's like, well, I think that's where a lot of us are. It's like, maybe the culture isn't perfect or there's things you don't like, but how do you... How do you deal with it? How do you adapt to it? So I think there's some, you know, some more work to do on it, but it gave me a lot to think about culture. So if you're interested in these topics, listen to the podcast, check out the book if you're interested. Yeah, well, you know, he does have little epigraphs and his hard thing about hard things that's like, you know, uh, like like hip hop, like stuff, which. Uh, yeah. So he's he's I'm sure he's he's got the the. Uh, violent imagery pumping through his head when he's writing stuff. Now, I would just interject here. You know, I've I've done some early work on when you stay at HP, how you thrive in it, you know, s- surviving and thriving in big co's. And I, I could be up for some co-authors on like that book that I don't think anyone's ever written, which is like, never mind all this startup culture book. Let's say that you're going to be in a large company. How do you as an individual uh, fit in there and prosper? What What, what do you do? And uh, I think that would be uh, a lot more entertaining than like yet another startup book, which are fine on their own. No, I think you're right. And I think, uh, I think you hit on one of the the things I think is missed on that is like a lot of these books are talking about creating startups or sorry, creating culture for startups or companies at the beginning and sort of this idea of like, what does culture look at large enterprises over a long period of time? And I think that part is, I don't know, I'd be, you know. Other than you, I don't know, like who's written, like, I guess it's like, what are the definitive books on that? And like, you know, to your point, maybe, maybe you're yeah, the one yeah. writing. Well, that. there's, there's, there's my favorite moral mazes. And mm-hmm. then there's also the CIO in Wolf's Clothing. I think those are the only two that I know of. And maybe we call it something like, I'm just going to spitball here. We might call it like no exit after the exit, <laughs> like <laughs> something, something no like exit. that. Wow. I got right, we'll workshop that title a little Final bit. Final solution you know? <laughs> to... <laughs> we <got> some... <laughs> We don't have to decide on it. You know, it's not like a name perfect, like software defined talk. We we have to maybe like (laughs) iterate on that one. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, You know, if I was being really cynical, we could call it stop trying like that. (laughs) that (laughs) Or cash. You know, I had a podcast for a while called cashed out, which is kind of a pun. And uh, anyways, how about yourself, Matt Ray? What do you have to recommend? Uh, Well, I, uh, uh, during during my sabbatical, uh, I actually had a sick day. I, I, I was not feeling well, so I laid on the couch and caught up on my movie watching. And uh, I watched uh, 1917, and it's pretty good. I cinema graphically, cinematographically, um, you know, visually, it's very appealing. Uh, a lot going on. Not not a great script. I mean, not a not a lot of uh, 
character development but uh mm. i enjoyed it um and and i watched that back to back with um thin red line uh the terrence malick movie which actually is one of my more favorite uh of the you know war genre movies um which has you know a fascinating if, if you know if you if you don't know about it it's uh uh terrence malick is this you know acclaimed director who barely ever did anything <laughs> and everybody wanted to work with him and like half of hollywood's leading men wanted to be in this movie and half of them were filmed and half of them were left on the cutting room floor so it's it's got a fascinating backstory where like george clooney has top billing and is in the mo- movie for one minute um so <laughs> uh anyway it's a really good movie um visually uh and uh so the, those are my my two picks if, if you're sick in bed uh just you know, sit back and uh, let those two wash over you. Mm. Sick on sabbatical. That sounds terrible. You don't want that. That's All right. Well, my, I just have a brief one. I think it might even be a repeat, but uh, this is a recommendation of what I wish I would have worn today when, uh, the, uh, when, when it started raining when I was biking around, and that is the Patagonia torrent shell pants. I always feel like a dope wearing like full rain gear, but I feel even more miserable when my uh, cotton pants get all wet and I'm biking around and it's cold and rainy. Uh, so get yourself some, uh, those are very good. They got lots of options. You got vents, you can unzip the bottom so you can get them over your hiking boots. They're good pants. The only thing they lack, if, if just for the, uh, the uh, clothing manufacturers and designers who are listening out there, uh, whenever, if you ever have pants that you're supposed to put over other pants, you always need to have a zipper in the in the inner po- the inner front pocket so that you can unzip it and access the pockets on your in the pants underneath. I mean, this is this is a basic. That's very right? metal. Like, like you just you always. I mean, because you're gonna put shit in your your base layer pants, your regular pants, and then you're gonna put the overpants on, and you're gonna want the stuff in from the base pants. Like it just that's what. I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know how they work, everyone. Uh, well, with that. Uh, speaking of base layers and overpants, this has been Software Defined Talk. Uh, this is episode 290, so you can go to softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 290. There's a whole lot of stuff we didn't cover. You should join the Slack channel. And uh, with that, we'll see everyone next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Oh, no, it's not working. <laughs> of course. Fucking like, internet. Like every home out automation demo of all time. It's like, oh, wait a minute. It doesn't work. Oh, there you go. There we go. I can turn it off. It's like internet of shit.